we do every single Saturday on these airwaves. My name is Casey Steve, the Boise Beer Valley Citizen Watch on Mercedes at News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. Come on. That's you, Merced. Atwater. El Nido. The Nest. And all of the other great little at River Valley. Can't forget Snelling. Who can forget Snelling? You know, I used to be the county seat back in the day. Back in the day. Hey, here we are, the 6 a.m. hour. And when I say this show is fresh, it doesn't get much fresher. And be able to get it in the computer so you can hear it. Today is March 8th. No, 6th. One of those sixes and eights when you're, when you're blind. March 6th, 2021. A, uh, the first Saturday in March. This last Saturday was the last Saturday in February. Just goes to make sense. This would be the first Saturday in March. Happy to have you here with us. Boy, it sure seems like spring. Supposed to have a little rain this morning. Weather.com, I think, said, uh, what, 80? 80, 80-some percent. I didn't see. I could still see stars, but maybe it's coming in. I think I mentioned that the irrigation season started Monday the 1st. I was reading somewhere, maybe it was Merced County Times, one of our favorite newspapers. I think it's the only newspaper left. Well, you get the Sun Star now, pretty thin. This last week, they threw the Modesto B here at the station. We have a subscription to what I thought was the Sun Star. Got a copy of the B. Amazing how much more news there is in the B. Anyway, I'm sure when the guy reached in, maybe you know grabbed the wrong bag. Anyway, the uh, Merced County Times had. An announcement of the start of the irrigation season and the price per foot, acre foot, of water, liquid gold, at $50. Now, it's my understanding this needs to be ratified, confirmed, okie-dokied by the board over there at MID. And please, don't go much more than that. I tell you, next year is going to be a different story if we don't get some rain. Because it's very dry out there, as you know. I... One of the uh, supervisors, former supervisors on the board, he has one of these high-tech rain gauges, and every once in a while he'll share with us on Facebook what the Toto is to date here in Merced County over at his place. I think he lives in the uh, in the Atwater Metropolis area, the greater the greater uh, Atwater area. Anyway, the, the point being is I think we're half of where we need to be, and it's March. We need a March miracle. Folks don't remember what that was back in the 90s. The 1890s. No, the 1990s. There was a period of no water for a lot of long time. You know, one of many California droughts. They kind of all run together. Remember, uh, we used to talk on the show about how there was no real normal year, average year in California. What's average? What's a normal year? It's very, very difficult with precipitation. It's either too little, too much, too many fires, not enough. Unbelievable. The uh, country we live in, very, 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 very unforgiving in a lot of ways. And this water situation uh, really has me concerned. So great to see that we're making deliveries. They're going to be charging the canals. They're taking orders. Uh, They've been cleaning the canals. Of course, that's a a yearly task, uh, doing the repairs, that sort of thing. 
It's kind of interesting over there at Campus Parkway where it runs into Yosemite Avenue. People may know uh, that a lot of the canals that go through the University of California actually distribute water out of Lake Yosemite, which is nothing more than a holding basin for irrigation water. Onto the east side of the valley, going all the way over really up to the Mariposa line over there to La Grande area. Of course, that's an out-of-district service. They pay, I believe you pay double the amount, but still a deal, $100 an acre foot. You need about four acre feet. So just to give you an idea, it comes up to about your waist over a period of a growing season to grow any kind of uh, crop around here, which is a lot of water when you think about it, especially when you only get a foot. So if we use our imagination and our MCOE math, if we normally get 12 inches, which as I remember is a foot, of water, then that leaves us about three feet shy, right? One foot. So, and I know there's four quarters that go into a dollar, so this makes it real easy. So, we get 25% of our water from uh, nature, from the good Lord, hopefully. Are you listening? And then the other 75% is up there in the Sierra, the Sawtooth Range to the east of us. Beautiful sunrise. You can see the snow up there. That's like our water bank. Now, I know that this is very basic elementary stuff to a lot of folks, but to some people, they have no idea. So 75% of our water comes from that water bank, that snowpack up there in the Sierra through the impoundment, surface impoundment, and to a large degree anymore, groundwater recharge. I was reading in the article about the water rates, about how many thousands of acre feet MID recharges into the aquifer, into the basin, which is not only a requirement now of Sigma, but also just, one, being a good steward of the land. You talk about sustainability. Because once it's gone in those aquifers and they crush down like a, like a pumice stone, well, that's it. And we already see a lot of subsidence. We're already in one of the endangered areas in the basin we're in. So this water issue is huge. I know I talk about it almost every week. And until uh, we're running with water, I mean, you've seen the creek. It uh, looks like summer. It's just terrible. Absolutely terrible. So let's move on. Anyway, I just want to say great, great work by MID before we leave. Great work by MID, keeping those water rates reasonable. A half acre foot of water, my friends, again, going from memory, about 350,000, I think it's more than that, 350,000 gallons of water. If you ran that through, uh, I don't know what city you're in, through your little three-quarter or one-inch water main, first of all, it'd burn the gears up in the motor, and it's a lot of water, and you would pay a tremendous uh, premium of that, more than $50. Now, granted, you can't necessarily drink it right out of the canal, but you get the point. Where water flows, food grows. Never forget that. Hey, vaccine-free Studio C, as most of the county is, even though it's getting a little bit better, uh, my buddy Roger, Roger Wood, who uh, hosts Community Conversations, coming on after this hour of Citizen Watch. And again, want to thank Raj while he was on vacation. Stopped by Casa de Fruta, brought one of my favorite little treats. Really appreciate he and his lovely bride, Chi-Chi, celebrating their, uh, what is it, 80th? No, 40-something. It's double digits. 40, 44 all-in-a-row wedding anniversary. Took a little time off. Of course, I hosted Community Con- Not as easy as it looks. Not as easy as it looks. Roger's back in the saddle this week. Wanted to uh, thank him. But anyway, he keeps track of all of this vaccine stuff, the shots, everything. Both he and his lovely bride have got both of the 
uh, inoculations. I think one got one and one got the other. It'll be an interesting study. <laughs> Moderna and uh, what was it? Pfizer. Now we got the J&J, the baby powder people covering your, uh, you know, with everything necessary for COVID-19. The one shot miracle. And some people are saying, well, you know, it's more inferior. It only has an 80 uh, percent, but still 100 percent against hospitalization and death. And I don't know what you're looking for out of life, but one, there's no guarantees. And if they say 100 percent against those two, you might take that. If it's all that's available over the two-shot regimen. And again, who wants to... I'm not real crazy about needles, so one of those deals where uh, the less, the better. And, uh, you know, hey, 80%? <laughs> In my life, that's probably, uh, you know, that's not that's not bad odds. So uh, the problem being is we're not getting our share of vaccines uh, based on population equity. I hear that word. <laughs> Boy, you hear some words, you just get, just get beat to death. And equity is one of them lately. And still none, or not uh, the same here in Merced County. Somewhat disappointing, but I don't know. We'll see see what happens that goes on uh, the uh, the vaccine front. I'm reading my notes here, folks. Brock, uh, let's, had a note here. The block party trader, trailer. Remember that this was a this was an idea uh, to foster you know togetherness and all of that. So the city bought this trailer. Has a bounce house, a generator. I don't know. Comes with some. You know, balloons, a tank of helium. It's the most underused city resource here lately. And I couldn't help think about our own station here. You know, we used to do these things called remotes where we'd go out and set up at the, you know, the car dealership or the restaurant or, you know, the new business opening. Luna would be out there, you know, Luna cruising for the Kahuna. What? No, Dave Luna cruising with the big Kahuna, Dave Luna. Hey, don't forget his show tonight, every Saturday. What, uh, five to six, six to nine? I forget what it is. Anyway, uh, we would go out and, and do these, uh, you know, do these promos. Man, we haven't ran the van. We haven't started. I don't even know if they run anymore. Uh, over a year. You know, it's coming up on a year of the COVID, my friends. Coming up on a year. I believe it was, uh, was the 16th, 17th? Right around, uh, what is that, St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick's Day, our former mayor. That was the corned beef and cabbage. Oh, boy, I miss those. like the corned beef. Cabbage? Ugh, boiled cabbage. Man, I can see why they... Get on a boat to come over. You know, why would you? Ooh, yuck. Anyway, uh, very, very, uh, very, very sad when you think about uh, it's been a year since the complete shutdown of small business, that sort of thing. Starting to see some, you know, some uh, some kindling now. Uh, interesting on the school front how we've changed the metric of that, uh, you know, what daily infection rate, whatever, you know, so many per 100,000. We had to get to seven to get into the red tier. Except now for school sports, now that the state's been sued successfully, a settlement agreement coming out of San Diego, of all places, saying basically uh, you got to treat high school sports, uh, scholastic sports, the same as professional sports. Because, again, equity, <laughs> equity, everybody's the same. And so that worked out well, but uh, big testing requirement on that. I think, folks, you know, the uh, silver lining, uh, maybe the clouds, maybe a little little heavy on that silver lining because a lot of testing is required almost daily when you have contact sports. Because this this COVID, I mean, let's face it, it's uh, it's kind of a joke now with the mass. You know what uh, the governor came out this week following Fauci two wear two. Hey, we're not. Why not wear three? You know, I mean, it's uh, kind of like you know why just stop at underwear? Get for get the depends. I I, I just I don't know. To me, it's uh, it's uh, kind of been proven to be you know what it is. And who knows uh, the antibodies, how many people. We haven't done contract contact tracing 
in this county for months. And so when you look at trying to prevent a, a true pandemic, I don't know. Why don't we just open the businesses back up? We saw this week with Texas. Oh, my God. You, you thought that uh, they seeded from the union. The, the gnashing of teeth, the wringing of hands from the folks just concerned that they had lost their minds. What did the president call them? Neanderthals? If I was the Geico caveman, I would be very, very upset at that and would be looking at some sort of apology from the administration. Because, you know, this Neanderthal thinking, uh, you know, if, if <laughs> I don't know on which side it's been on, but uh, we went from the N95. I talked about this last week. You know, the N95, we got to have the, you know, the N95. I don't know what that meant. You know, it's 95% effective, but, you know, the size of the particle, the size of the virus. Now, we're just told where to, where to what. Uh, I've got two on. I, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And now, even after you've got inoculated and we see the pushback against the teachers, uh, again, we saw a bill passed this week by the governor, billions, or excuse me, millions, I'm thinking of the national National relief package, millions of dollars uh, to the school district, or maybe it is billions. No, I guess the other one's trillions. I don't you get confused now? A lot of money. You know what did one guy say? A million here, a million there. Now you're talking real money. I guess now that's changed. Probably a billion here, a billion there. I think it was nine billion dollars from the state to the school district. Uh, there were strings attached. If you don't open by what is it, April first? It's coming up here. You lose one percent every day. So I don't know if that's really a penalty or not to get these school districts back in play. I know that talking to, boy, I tell you, go quick, we're just rattling on here. I know talking to Dr. Teachin on one of the other shows, why isn't that playing? Oh, my Lord, you know, things go so wrong here. I'm, I'm the only one here. Dave Luna, the big kahuna, he has a staff. Anyway, uh, Dr. Teachin was saying in the previous bill, that the uh, state was looking at, you had to have a labor agreement in place with the teachers union before you could get back into class. Now, uh, that restriction is not there. It's kind of a, you know, they can negotiate their own deal or not. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here locally with the 21 districts we have. But hey, we're out of time for the first segment of Citizen Watch, 6 a.m. Saturday, March 6th. It's not criminal. But uh, hey, you don't you want to hang around for that 8 o'clock hour. Vern Warnke's coming in going to be a good one. We'll be right back. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. Hey, here we are. Saturday morning. It's not really Casey Steve. Not just Merced. The voice of your valley, Merced's News Talk. 107.3 FM. 1480 AM. KYOS. Hey, here we are Saturday morning. Your guilty pleasure where our words breathe and our thoughts burn. Make you think. I hope. I couldn't do it without you, my listeners, my loyal listeners. Appreciate so much you reaching out, talking. Oh, I've got to set everything. We only have 15 minutes together every segment. Don't they go quickly? I'll tell you who found out they went really quickly as my special guest. I put it on my Facebook page because, again, so happy that we finally were able to get in the sheriff. That's right. 
Sheriff Vern Warnke, the uh, 8 o'clock guest. I'm trying to look and make sure everything's loading here on the computer. Sheriff Vern Warnke, the 8 o'clock guest, 8 a.m. hour. And, of course, if you miss probably one of the best interviews I've had in a long time, because we don't get many in, in-house interviews, I'll tell you, it's hard to get people in here. We, uh, we invite you in. But if you miss the interview, 1480kyos.com. The podcast, the on-demand, whatever you want to call it. It's right there all the time. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. But Sheriff Warren keeps coming in. Big, 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 big news. I teased that a little bit. Big news. Big news. He lays on our listeners and the rest of Merced County. And you know what I like about Sheriff Warnke that is refreshing uh, with his administration that you didn't see in the past was the honesty, the willingness to talk about issues, good or bad. You know, it's not just all about me, 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 me. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about the people he serves to protect, to serve, which is what law enforcement does to give protection to a community. He has one of the most vital jobs in this county. There's 58 Sheriff Warnkeys. There's 58 sheriffs in the state of California. There's not 58 Sheriff Warnkeys. We are lucky to have a sheriff like Sheriff Warnkey. Uh, there are sheriffs that are very good. Margaret Mims comes to mind. Uh, really, you have a lot in the Central Valley Sheriff Varney Madera, uh, to the north of us, forgive me, the name escapes. You know, you can't remember everything all the time. Anyway, the point being is we have a lot of good sheriffs, county sheriffs, and their position is so important. I remember when uh, the former district attorney used to be in office, we would always tease who the top law enforcement officer, official of the county is. And really it is, as we talked about with with Sheriff Warnke, kind of a, a like the law and order show. You have the enforcement angle. You have the prosecution, the administrative angle. It's so important in our system of justice, which we see at our beautiful courthouse downtown on M Street. Beautiful county property there. You look up at the top, and the uh, you know lady justice is up there with the scales, you know, judging everything. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful system, and uh, Sheriff Warnke is a big part of that. And I really appreciate him coming in. He needs to come in more. I tell you, the 45 minutes went quick. He's a, he's a busy man. Again, we promised to have, well, we'd, we've been trying to get him in, not promised. We had hoped to have him in before today, but today's the day. But he, he's busy. He's a busy guy. And again, I appreciate these folks coming in on our little show. I don't know if anybody's out there listening, but uh, I couldn't do it without those that do. And I, and I certainly appreciate the guests that come on. It, it makes it so much more than just me. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? Homeless camp. How many where? County men, mental health. Uh, you know, this homeless situation is a big deal. It seems to, it really seems to uh, dominate every conversation that we have when the city electeds get to le- together, the county electeds get together. You know, some you know, offshoot of it, whether it being promoting a business uh, that's been impacted by not only the pandemic, uh, but by the homeless situation here in Merced. Covis comes to mind, Covis Restaurant. We talked about this many times, a fine, fine eatery. Many folks may remember it as the old Eagle's Nest over there by the new uh, KFC, the, uh, what, the Dutch Brothers. <laughs> I love their little kiosk. 
the Arco, all over there. Beautiful Merced, you know, welcome to Merced, Gateway Merced, whatever it says there. Where the old bowling alley, the Bellevue Bowl, boy, that was a that was a hot spot, hot spot back in the day. What was that? Castaways over there? I forget what the that little bar that. Anyway, so uh, Cova's restaurant has just been held hostage by this Operation Room Key. Uh, I don't know where the management comes from. You know, they want they want forgiveness on paying the tot tax. How about how about the poor uh, the poor restaurant over there in the parking lot? I don't know where the line of demarcation is. You know what Cova is if it's the same piece of property, the same property owner, but the hotel. Uh, you know, when you talk about neighbors and being good neighbors, I think could be a better neighbor. And I don't know. Maybe their hands are tied. But this Operation Room Key that houses uh, folks uh, off the street has just turned into a drug den, uh, a den of of uh, crime, all kinds of horrible things. I've seen some of the pictures. Their security cameras have been sprayed over, windows broken. It It almost looks like an abandoned building. And these people are trying to run a restaurant and a business out of it. And I read the reviews of the people that dare go in there and brave to pick up a door. Well, maybe the DoorDash people, they're probably fearless. They're probably packing, packing some heat or something. I, I, I'm, great reviews of the food. People love the food. Best food they've ever had, just like Mama used to make. You know, that comfort food, the, the good quality, blah, blah, blah. And let me tell you. Let me just take a minute to say, I've had some takeout food lately that has been less than stellar. You know, I get home, I open it up, I'm waiting for the coupon from Save Mart to fall out from the Gordon's Fisherman. You know, on your next purchase, save 50%. It's like, where did they buy this stuff? Stuff that you were used to, a, a, a level of quality, and you get it home and it's like, what the, you know, oh, it's terrible. I and mean, I've seen these Facebook photos, you know, people order stuff. Hey, you know, the picture online. And then you get the food, and it's like, what what happened? What happened? So this whole COVID thing, the shutdown, the, the virtual food, the, the, the Soylent Green, whatever they're dishing out. But Kova's over there has been putting out a consistent product under this assault of trying to do business in the middle of a war zone, in the middle of a drug-infested, crime-infested piece of property. So, on that note, next Saturday, they're going to have a, uh, you know, come in, <laughs> a dine and dash. No, it's a dine in, dine, get your food. There's going to be a discount. I don't know what it was. I hope it goes better than the Sam's Cafe event that uh, some of the electeds, you know, put on. They, they quit answering the phone. It's my understanding, again, from a post by one of the electeds, that made in frustration of many people trying to call in and order from Sam's Cafe, which I guess is a good thing, right? You know, uh, attention is flattery, whatever. I forget how that, you know, you're so popular that obviously the food must be that good. Or is it the 25% discount because nobody has a job? I don't know what it was, but they just took the phone off the hook. So that's one way to, you know, get caught up. But I hope it goes a little better this time at the because there there's a series of these you know Parker's Hardware blah 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 I think this is the third in a I don't know a never ending series of helping businesses you know speaking of helping businesses the city of Merced which we might as well start covering the council meeting they had on Monday the eighth what am I looking at Monday the first what this calendar Luna gets 
Anyway, Monday the 1st, they had a council meeting. After the strategy session they had Saturday, we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the things they did was uh, rezone part of downtown, the core, and uh, really a lot of a lot of areas where they could, uh, and also some property over there on Childs, trying to uh, trying to get a grocery store now. It's, I think, been reduced to a 7-Eleven uh, size uh, footprint for groceries. Anyway, they allowed food trucks. Now, food trucks are somewhat controversial, or have been in the past. It, Article in the paper talked about the crime and, you know, rah, 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 associated with food trucks. I don't know so much about that. But it was the uh, spirit of competition. You know, it's kind of like the Internet. You know, you got the brick and mortar. You got Best Buy. I always tease that Best Buy is the Amazon showroom. You know, you want to see what the computer, the iPad looks like. You know, go touch and feel it. Maybe play with it a little bit. Then when you want to buy it, you go to you go home and order it on Amazon. You know, free shipping. It'll be here in a few days. So, uh, food trucks, uh, you know, there's been a little pushback. Hey, you know, uh, competition, you know, the guy rolls in, you know, leaves a grease spot, takes all the money, splits, you know, what's the dining experience? You know, you're out there on the street, <laughs> you know, you know, you lean up against the, the wheel. Well, I don't know. They're going to allow it. And then the other thing was restrooms. Uh, restrooms were a big deal because, uh, sometimes after people eat, well, most restaurants are required to have restrooms. For, uh, well, reasons of, uh, you know, we're human. And the fees. Michiwawa. If you uh, go down to the city and say you want to open, you know, I don't know, a Togo's or, a, you know, pick one of the, the chains, the franchises, you know, 8 trillion served, 8 billion burgers, whatever. Hey, how's that How's that uh, 15, push for 15 going to help those guys, huh? You know, like you don't have enough fees. So they charge you uh, per seat. Uh, per seat. Because isn't that how, I mean, you know, restaurants so big, you know, you walk in, get a Sammy. Go out, walk out. But uh, if you sit down, well, then there's an impact. Parking, rah, rah, rah. So with food trucks, I don't know how that's going to kind of work. And that used to be, I think, more of the pushback from the established business owners, uh, more so than the crime. I never, I don't know what crime. But uh, now food trucks are very, very popular. Now, some people call them taco trucks. I find this offensive because it specifies a type of food. I think all foods should be welcome to have food equity, all food groups, all food types, all nationalities of food. So let's not call it taco trucks. Even though my favorite soda, Haritos, is the official soft drink of the taco truck. It says it right on the bottle. I've seen really successful food truck enterprises in L.A. L.A. finally gave up. They had a clandestine, how do you say that, illegal, food truck industry for a long time. They would just pop up in areas of uh, Los Angeles, City of Angels, just everywhere. And in Hawthorne, which is in the flight path to LAX, they have now, well, all over LA. I haven't had a chance to stay in Hawthorne for a few days. And it was really neat. The nightlife around the food trucks was just incredible. They'd park, park up and down the boulevard. They'd set out the chairs. They'd have the, the lights. And then ancillary businesses would come along around the food trucks. There was a lady, she had a... A, a big vat of oil would make churros, homemade churros, uh, bionicas, the uh, the uh, fruit salads, all these uh, special treats. The kids, it was just great. I mean, it was a you know the whole family had come out. Uh, you could sit down, you know, mingle. Oh, it was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. They had an area with tables and chairs, kind of a common area because there were so many food trucks. And uh, the only the only really danger I saw is just people driving and yeah, I want to stop here. You know, U turns in the middle of the street. So again, a lot of uh, a lot of changes, and that zoning change is going to make a big deal 
uh, to downtown Merced, I believe, and also bring uh, some economic development and hopefully spur people coming, you know, maybe change the hours. You know, the downtown won't close at 8, at 8 o'clock at night. Wouldn't it be neat to, uh, you know, roll out, get something at 10, 11, 12 o'clock? I mean, not get robbed, you know, but uh, I, I think it's a, it's a different thing. Also, the shopping center over there on Childs and uh, MLK between, what is it, ML, I don't know. It's a, it's a little postage stamp, stamp uh, piece of property, relatively speaking. It's got an irrigation canal in front of it. It's bounded on two, two sides. I think one side's a street, one side's an existing uh, private property. They've been trying to get a quote-unquote shopping center in there, a grocery store. I don't know. <laughs> have got Smart and Final Iris. You've got Costco. You've got a lot of places to get quote-unquote groceries. And again, the private industry has been reluctant uh, to move into this area. Boy, we're running out of time. So basically what they did was reduce the size of the uh, square footage for a grocery store from 20,000 square foot, the requirement, if that was to be developed as a grocery store as an anchor, to 8,000 square foot, a 60% reduction. And so now you're talking about a, uh, you know, 7-Eleven type size grocery store, which again, what was the purpose? It was to offer choices to that side of town. So again, I think the economic reality meets the rhetoric and uh, the, the uh, things had to be changed. Some other good news as far as ADUs. We'll cover that after the break. We're running out of time. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your Valley Citizen Watch. Second segment in the can. We'll be right back. Back to you. you Third and final segment. Citizen Watch, Saturday morning. My name is Casey Steve, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1488. I hope your Saturday goes well. I can't wait to go to breakfast at my undisclosed location. In the beautiful city of Atwater. Yeah, they've been open the whole time. That's right. No, I'm not talking about Uncle Buck's catering over there in the park at Veterans Park. Come on, you got to have a key to get in there. No, I'm talking about, well, downtown. Downtown, baby. I'll tell you, Atwater's happening. You know, if you've never been over... Where's my levels? Where's that? If you've never been over to the Restore there in Atwater on, uh, what is it, Broadway, Main Street? I guess it's Broadway. What a facility. What a facility. Lyle Allen, the volunteers over there at Habitat for Humanity. That was Jimmy Carter. Remember Jimmy? He's still around, man. Jimmy Carter, those those uh, Habitat for Humanity houses. Well, they have this thing called Restore over there. And if you haven't seen it, you got to go over. I mean, maybe you saw it in the past, but you got to go over now. Maybe after, uh, you know, I don't know, an Eggs Benedict. You walk, you know, I don't know. You go over, but they've taken the other side of Pasadores there. The old Pasadores, uh furniture store, appliance, hardware. They had it all, man. That that place back in the day. You could spend all day over there. Anyway, they've got the furniture from the who's who of Atwater. 
I mean, nice stuff. Nice. It's like an Ethan Allen gallery. And then there's some, you know. But uh, it's very lightly used. It was kind of uh, sad. It was over there one day. And Lyle and the volunteers, who again, God bless their hearts. God bless their hearts. You talk about a labor of love, trying to provide housing for those, a hand up for those less fortunate, giving of their time. When believe me, these cats could be doing something else. I mean, I don't want to say they're retired, but you know, they they you know they re, you know they they've done a lot in their lives. So they start the truck up, the Habitat for Humanity truck, which they have this van, this truck, this uh, it's a beautiful truck. It's a newer vehicle, big box van, you know, the aluminum, you know, blah blah blah, right in there, you know, the delivery van, like a furniture van, and it sounds like a battleship, sounds like a you know propeller. I mean, just. And I, I said, Lyle, what happened? Well, they stole our catalytic converter. You know, we had the truck parked behind the, the facility here, and, and somebody sawed it off. It's like, are you kidding me? Some creep does that to a nonprofit trying to make a buck. And those things are not cheap, and especially with a truck. Because I guess what's in there is platinum, something five times more valuable than gold. I don't know. It's, it's some crazy... I mean, what are these? And again, it's the, it's the guys that are, <laughs> just, it's so frustrating. So this truck sounds like it's, you know, a World War II airplane getting ready to take off. And that's not good for the engine. You need the back pressure, blah, blah, blah. Not to mention, you know, it's not good necessarily for the environment. So I know they were getting it taken care of. Actually, that's what they were doing. But uh, how sad. So give them a little love. Go over there. They've got all they got everything from a buck. I think they have stuff for less than a buck at quite actually. All the way up to uh, you name it. They had a one of these rear projection big screens. I remember back in the day people would die for one of those. This thing was like I don't know, 400 inches. It was unbelievable. It was the size of a wall and uh, rear projection. I was just my buddy and I were over there. I said, "Hey, let's try to pick up the corner." You know, it was like weightlifting. It was like watching a powerlifting event. Veins were bulging. We didn't even get a corner up. But again, worked. You know, probably still has five or six good years in that. Put that in the kids' room. <laughs> Make sure you anchor it to the wall. Anyway, that's my plug for uh, Habitat for Humanity, the restore over there next to uh, on the, on the Broadway, Atwater. Beautiful city of Atwater. Let's see. We were talking about the city council meeting. I think I was. Wasn't I? Where is my agenda? There were so many things. On the city council meeting, what was the zoning coordinate, a zoning amendment, zoning ordinance amendment? Let's just roll into that. Accessory dwelling units. This is a uh, thing that's near and dear to my heart because I see this as a way for one, not only people, not only the beautiful system we live in called capitalism, the free enterprise, the free market system, form of government may not be perfect, may not be for you, but guess what? Everybody loves it. People want to get here. They'll shit. They'll. They'll, they'll lock themselves in a shipping container for, for a couple of months to get over here, okay? So the free enterprise, the, 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 the free market, capitalism, free enterprise, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And it's finally nice to see the city of Merced moving, albeit, well, you know, the state helped a lot. And this is one instance where uh, zoning laws have been loosened, loosened uh, by the state to try to promote Infill development, affordable housing. This is so important, my friends. I can't talk enough about it. And at the last council meeting, we've, we're making steps to, uh, to, to implement this. 
Now, prior to 2019, we had one or two uh, houses a year that were called ADUs. This is where you can literally build three houses on your property. You can have your uh, existing dwelling unit, your existing home. You can do a conversion, whether it be a bedroom conversion, a garage conversion. It doesn't have to be a garage anymore. The laws are so liberal. Then you can have a separate facility, a separate a home, whether it be a modular home, a manufactured home, uh, under 750 square feet, you can basically do what you want. It's unbelievable. They, they even have this written, and again, I know I'm kind of jumping around, but they have this written where there's no enforcement on substandard ACUs for uh, ADUs for five years. Now, that's just, I mean, unless it's life safety, you know, uh, somebody is in danger. What's it say? Require a local agency to delay enforcement against a qualifying substandard ADU. Isn't that an oxymoron? A qualifying substandard. It's substandard, but hey, it still qualifies. That's how bad, that's how desperate we have become for affordable housing and a place to lay your head. And again, folks, it's coming. Let me be clear. Let me let me harp on this a little bit. It's about bedrooms. It's about bedrooms. It's about places to lay your head. And so these ADUs, when you talk about one or two bedrooms and the impact they have, well, again, that's even that's even been op- overlooked. But here it says, requires a local agency to delay enforcement against a qualifying substandard ADU for five years to allow the owner to correct, to collect, correct the violation so long as it's not a health and safety issue. So, hey, keep, keep, keep collecting the rent to be able to afford to take care of the violation, and you got 60 months. I mean, this is, this is amazing legis, legislation. The other thing that can be done is when you talk about uh, nonprofits, a qualified nonprofit whose mission it is to provide units to low-income households uh, can allow de- deed-restricted sales to occur on property. So you can it's not necessarily a lot split, but uh, they can go in there and, and uh, have this property as a nonprofit uh, put in additional accessory dwelling units. It's it's just absolutely unbelievable how these laws. Uh, no, here's another one uh, constructed within the walls of a proposed or existing single family residence and eliminates the inclusion of an existing bedroom or an interior entry. So again, the laws have been loosened up so much by the state, and the and the city has really had no choice uh, but to go along with it. And of course, uh, it clarifies that a local agency may identify an ADU or a, a junior ADU, what they call a J ADU, as, a, as an adequate site to satisfy regional housing needs. Uh, this is our uh, RENA needs assessment, which gets a lot of criticism from the nonprofits, the folks out there saying, you know, you've, you've made uh, allocations of land and that sort of thing, but w- really, when's the rubber going to hit the road? to provide units, to provide bedrooms, to provide places for people to live. And this this is really, uh, this, is, this, this legislation, this change in the zoning ordinance is really going to have that. Establishes impact fee exemptions and limitations based on the size of the ADUs. ADUs up to 700 and 750 square feet are exempt from impact fees. ADUs that are 750 square feet or larger may be charged impact fees, but only such fees that are proportional in size by square foot for those for the primary to those for the primary dwelling unit. So it's just, again, a, a help on the fees, help on the 
uh, cost to the owner. This is, again, something that folks that have an existing property, say you have that existing uh, large lot, half block uh, lot, some area of town, and it doesn't. This is the other thing they, they took away. You don't have to be owner-occupied. This was something the city wanted to make a, a requirement uh, to, I, I really don't know why, to be honest with you, because if you want to promote investment, if you want to promote, uh, you, you, you have to let the free market take control. And so if you have a rental and you could put another lot, another home on it and uh, monetize your, uh, maximize, excuse me, your return on investment, why wouldn't you? Now, why would you require them to live there? Well, one of the concerns, and I think that's been alleviated by other uh, mechanisms within the city, primarily this rental registry that's going to go on, this you know payment of a fee. Of course, if you have more than a certain number of rentals, you're supposed to. A lot of people don't. You're supposed to get a business license. That was one of the ways that there was going to be some enforcement on B&Bs because, again, uh, there is a requirement that you rent at least 30 days to an individual, 30-day increments, uh, so it's not an overnight or B&B. And again, there was some discussion on the council. How are you going to enforce that? Well, it is difficult unless it's complaint-driven, but there are code enforcement and different mechanisms by which to do that. But the, the point being, as far as building these things, trying to get them built, uh, it, it's just streamlining the process. And I, I think it's really, really good that the City Development Services, Scott McBride, it was a very, very nice presentation. He asked, answered a lot of uh, the questions. Uh, he and Kim Espinoza, a very, very good presentation. Uh, right now, the city has to get uh, some things. They're ducks in a row, right? They have no separate permit process for this uh, type of, of unit, this type of product. It now falls under some other uh, classification, you know, remodel, whatever. Speaking of remodels, have you seen the old Pizza Hut over there on Olive Avenue? Do you wonder why they left some of the walls standing? Why they just didn't blow those down? Because that's called a remodel. If you have part of the existing structure standing, it's not a new construction, it's a remodel. Now, that's that's pretty close to uh, new construction as you can get over there. But again, definitions. And that's why these definitions here at the state have been changed. Now, I like that they allow modular construction. You know, you see a lot of modular homes now that are very, very, uh, they're, they're just as good as, as stick-built, on-site-built construction. And again, I think this is going to foster, this is going to spur an industry here in this community that will allow people not only to monetize their property to maximize their return on investment, but will also provide much-needed housing inventory. Now, there were some questions on the council by one of the council members that said, hey, you know, if I'm renting a place, it's got a big backyard, guy comes in, puts in an ADU, what happens to my big backyard? Well, it's probably going to be small. And he goes, well, what about the rent? Is the rent going to be cheaper? Well, see, these, this, is, this is where you get into the free economy, the free market. You cannot legislate everything. The idea of government, my friends, is to promote an environment, to foster an environment where these kind of things, where these kind of ideas, these kind of things can thrive. Where people can, can come in and spend their capital, their investment, their resources, their money to invest in these kind of units. And I think this is a positive, positive step forward uh, for that. So, again, I know I spent a lot of time on it. I didn't get into all the specifics. Just, just wonderful. And, again, the state law has helped shepherd this along, helped shepherd the city of Merced really 
into no choice. They've had to make these choices. It's what they call the ministerial process, by right development. Wonderful things, wonderful things to see. Again, you know, sometimes in a crisis, good things come out of it. And this is one of them, this this uh, legislation. Hey, we're out of time. They go quick. You don't want to miss the 8 o'clock show. Sheriff Vern Warnke, special guest in studio. We will replay his interview in case you miss it at 8, this time next week, 6 a.m. Until next week, new content at 8 a.m. We'll see you. Oh, don't forget the bonus half hour, 9 o'clock today. We'll have some new content there also. My name is Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Citizen Watch. On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS.